Uh, this guy is called the Standing Streamer. with regret and you're watching putting you over what is that up there what? who put that up there i don't even know how to get it off there we go <laughs> how's it going everybody what's going on i'm the standing streamer welcome to putting you over so we see vanessa rolling in um He's just chilling, waiting for you to talk. Who yeah. is? Kid Ref? Yeah. I don't see him. I see him. I don't see him. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm how's there. it going? I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go fix the Zoom. Vanessa, you do the pleasantries. Oh, there. Now I see him. Talk for a second, Vanessa. I want to see something. If it switches Uh-oh. over to yours. Yeah, okay. Okay. You do the pleasantries. <laughs> uh, good evening, Chris. How are we doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. So just clarification on the last name. How do we pronounce that? Uh, that's Levin. Levin? Yes. Love it. Love it. A little French. Like it. <laughs> I like how you ask like them it. when I can't hear. So I'm not going to know how to pr- pronounce it. How do, how do you say Levin? Oh, Levin. Sure. Like the wine. I don't Levin. drink. I don't drink wine. But that's like, oh. how are you well, doing? That's how you say wine in French. Levin. Levin? That's how you say wine in French? Yeah. And it's Chris with a K because his parents are difficult. (laughs) That's it. You got it. That is it. Let me hide this NXT match so I don't watch it and spoil anything. How are you doing tonight, sir? Where's my new camera? I moved it over here. I'm doing very well. Thank you. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing as good as it gets during a pandemic. Home since March with three daughters. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I'm uh, surviving. Vanessa's surviving. We're all surviving. Glad to hear. Yeah. Um, is, I, I wanted to start out with, with an interesting question. Uh, I did some research on you, and it was brought up there. Is, is being a wrestling fan and being in the wrestling business really a mental illness? Like, <laughs> um, So being a wrestling fan, absolutely not. There's nothing uh, indicative of mental illness to be a wrestling fan. To be in the business, I think you have a pretty strong argument uh, for it. But 
I'm in the business, so <laughs> I'm a little biased with that. So I don't know um, if if I'm mentally ill for being in pro wrestling. Um, I'm I'm not. I, I guess I'm. I guess I'm just self aware yeah. of that. <laughs> and uh, let me let me correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably 27, mm-hmm. 28 years old. I just turned twenty eight. If you just weeks turned twenty eight, and you've been you've been you've had your foot in the door since you were fifteen years old. Now, my my question for you is: This is, I thought to myself at fifteen, I was like, I was, I don't know, riding my bike with no hands down to play basketball, and you're at fifteen, getting your foot in the door, in the wrestling business. Uh, wh- what drew you to that? What was that love? That passion? Uh, there, there's a saying in professional wrestling that you don't join the business for any reason other than the fact that you don't have a choice. Mm. You you have a compulsion to, and maybe that speaks to what we were speaking yeah. of before uh, with it being a mental illness, but um, you just love it so much and you just don't have a choice. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I was the one who kind of identified my personality by my fandom of professional wrestling. I watched all the shows ordered the pay-per-views, played with the, the toys and the games and read the books. And you always see this one red line drawn through all of the stories, which is that one act of happenstance that allowed them to enter the professional wrestling industry. And when I was 15, I saw a, at the time it was MySpace and WordPress, uh, <laughs> but they uh, web uh, web pages yep. for Force One Pro Wrestling, which was an indie company. Uh, run by Tommy Cairo, who former ECW original. He was the one who had the first Singapore Kane match wow. with uh, Sandman and Dreamer got involved with that angle. It led to him being caned and all of that. Um, but I was at that stage in life where I was, you know, like a 15 year old smark who was uh, thought that intrinsically speaking, anything that was on the independence was better than what was being presented on television, just because you get that, you know, that rebellious, yeah. uh, anti-authoritarian view, you know, uh, as a kid. And I lost my mind when I found out that there was an indie company is, you know, the only indie companies back then that you have access to is whatever you're buying on VHS, DVD, or mm-hmm. able to see locally. This was before YouTube or anything like that. Um, and uh, I went there and had a wonderful time at a local show. And then I went onto their web pages and I searched and I found that they were, um, that they would need a street crew team. And I was like, that's it. That's my active happenstance that allowed me to cross through the curtain and get on the other side of this. And my parents wouldn't even let me sign up to train to wrestle because I was so young and so tiny. I mean, like I'm built like a baby bird uh, (laughs) as is. So imagine me 20 pounds less than now. And uh, that's what teenage Chris was. And yeah, I, I was the first one there, last one to leave. And it gets to a point where you're not signed up to train. You're just there hanging out, helping with whatever they need, cleaning up or helping put things away, set up chairs or the ring at shows. And if you're like the, if you're always there, and you know someone gets there and they want to train and no one else is around. They teach you how to run the ropes. Yeah. They teach you how to take a bump. They chain around with you and you just learn it. And uh, eventually, a new class was getting ready to start putting together matches and then graduate to NWO in the live event. And they wanted them to work with a referee just to get used to being in there with that third person, which they threw me in. And it just it was a natural fit. It took off real easily. Uh, I went on to referee their first match. And then I kind of just 
uh, a guy named Tommy Force who was a uh, worked throughout New Jersey in the '90s and early 2000s. He was trained by Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah. Um, he took me under his wing, and he would take me around to shows, and I would get to referee his match. Or usually, you know, a referee would no show, so I'd end up doing the whole card by myself. And it was that trial by fire that it is really the best way to learn if, if you can handle it or not, and if you have an aptitude for it. And how old are you at this time? This was all happening when I was 15. Holy crap. I can't even, I can't even fathom that. Um, I, you know, when I was in Mexico touring with DTU, uh, uh, Ovet, one of the uh, more veteran performers there, he, we, so we all traveled on a big tour bus and he brought his kids with him. He had two twins um, and well, he also had a younger son or not a, younger, older than those, but still a younger guy, like 18, 19, who was working as well. But his children, uh, the youngest ones, eight years old, nine years old, and they opened the show every night. And it wasn't like they were just rolling around or doing something. They were having incredible matches doing moonsaults and Spanish flies from the top rope and diving to the outside. And it's like, I'm very thankful for the fact that I was able to start at a young age, but it's nothing compared to what you see over there where here you you sign up for Little League. Uh, There you can sign up for that or you can sign up to be a luchador after school. It's, It's wild. Grab a mask. It's just so it's unfathomable. Like I'm, I'm an older fella. I'm 40. I I've literally getting into this independent wrestling game. Uh, like now, like late, like I'm just discovering all these people and all this stuff. And it's just so amazing to me. And then I stumble upon somebody like yourself, do the research 15. My oldest daughter is 11. And I'm just thinking to myself, she's 11 going on 12. I'm thinking to myself, well, in three years, she's <laughs> like, I can't, it doesn't even comprehend in my mind, but that's just, that's like amazing stuff to me. And it's just, yeah. And God bless yeah, your and parents. <laughs> they, they were uh, nervous worries, especially my mom about everything. And you know, it's not necessarily something I'd recommend because, yeah. you know, obviously joining an industry as a child, uh, you make a lot of mistakes growing up, which I, you know, I could, couldn't even begin to tell you how many I made, yeah. but just, you know, being, being a youngster, being that obnoxious kid there, um, you grow up quick and it's not necessarily something I would recommend someone do because, you know, going through high school, uh, dealing with puberty and all of those things is difficult enough, whether yeah. let alone doing it in solely the company of adults and you're, you're in the public eye to a certain degree. So it has to be on this public stage of uh, your mistakes often and yeah. things like that. Uh, it worked out generally for me. I'm happy where I am at life. I'm happy where I'm going, but it's not necessarily um, my first choice. I would recommend someone else to do. Um, as a referee, are you a stickler for the rules or can you uh, bend them for certain matches? Does it all play into the storyline? What's, what's a kid uh, refs? Uh... I am the exact opposite for being a stickler for the rules. Actually. Yeah. Uh, I, what I look at it is we we're putting on theater. Yep. And um, so when you go watch a play uh, and one of the characters murders another, mm-hmm. they, or, they don't get arrested or go to jail because the only rules that we decide are, the, are they're, they're fictional. It's just the illusion of rules. And just like in the play is the illusion of reality, we're doing the same thing. And that meant a lot more back in the day when the, it was felt that the livelihood of this industry as a whole was predicated on creating uh, this false sense of reality. Uh, Whereas today we've largely escaped from that. And don't get me wrong. 
uh, you want to be able to suspend your disbelief, but the effort that we need to go to do that is far less. It's kind of, whereas before it was like an us versus them, uh, now it's kind of a mutual agreement of we're just going to go with the flow and enjoy what we're doing and you enjoy what you're watching kind of thing. And um, with that said, I think that within a promotion, you should have a continuity that makes sense. Like, I, I hate that it's like, oh, normally we'll have a 10 counter. Normally this would be a DQ. But if we need to kind of bend the rules just to make this finish make sense or to make the story make sense, we'll just do that. Uh, I feel like that's insulting to the intelligence of a fan base. Yeah. But uh, if you're just going to I, – I, so I think it just needs to be maintained. Like the fact that GCW has no real rules other than pinfalls or submissions, that's cool. That's easy. That's I have no problem with that being the case. I would just hate it if it's like – like back in the day when I was at CCW years and years ago, I remember one of the first death matches I officiated. They wanted it to end on a DQ, which like it's fine. I'm always happy to do whatever's yeah. asked of me. But it's like you're you're just shooting yourself in the foot and killing your own cre- uh, credibility if just for the purposes of the story you're upending you know years upon years of what the fans were trained to believe were the rules. You know? Do you ever feel like you could speak up in a situation like that and be like, look, a DQ in this situation? might not be the best way to go or does that all depend on who's in the match who who's the booker the experience um so it de- i it would depend on where i was at like for so many years um just because of the fact i felt like a lot of people treated me like kind of a second class citizen yeah. uh because i was a young guy because i was just a referee in their eyes uh, because I look so young and, you know, even though I, I look like a, a teenager, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm far from that. Yeah. And, uh, so I feel like a lot of people infantilized me a lot, which was really frustrating. And I, I don't find that to be the case as much now, now that I've kind of just stayed consistent, uh, been doing this 13 years. I, I make my bookings. I, I don't start a fuss. I do my job. I've been able to work at some, uh, significantly sized promotions and since that I feel like that's generally allowed me to kind of earn my stripes enough to speak up if I feel it's warranted um, my, my thing is like hey hey guys uh, just as a heads up this this and that if you don't want to do that or that doesn't matter to you it doesn't matter to me either you right. know um, I'm not at the end of the day it's their match and if they want to do something if someone wants to do something silly whether it's a booker promoter or the people in it uh, that's fine. That's that's their match. I'm I'm refereeing two or three or four or seven other matches that day. Who cares? You know, right. like people forget about it and move on to the next one. Uh, I first stumbled upon you uh, on on Twitch. I saw you on, on Impact. You guys were like out in Vegas or something. You were pl- you literally were playing. Uh, you guys were playing video games at a college somewhere. I remember that. That was that was in um, that was in. Ontario, I believe, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. And uh I was like, wow, this <laughs> no pun intended, this kid's got a lot of uh character and charisma to him and, and this and that. And then I start, you know, I start seeing you reffing and then I get into the, the indie scene, I see you you're you're heavily involved with GCW and now you're I believe you're with MLW because I've seen you in, in their rings several times. Yeah. Um God, I'm trying. It was uh no, I'm sorry. It was Windsor, uh, Windsor, Ontario. I yeah, think it was Canada. We did that at at the uh, college there. Yeah. And yeah, during that time, that was a really fun um, because I 
I, I was really consistent with impact with yeah. helping out with production and doing whatever I can. And there was a point in time where a handful of the guys in production believed in me and what I was doing, or they were amused by me or whatever. And they allowed me to host pre-shows or host yeah. things on Twitch and things like that. Yeah. And it, it's weird because, uh, for a long time i became somewhat of a meme almost um in those twitch chats and on twitter yeah uh and it, it's a very strange feeling knowing that like a lot of people are, are fond of you or you add a little like a little brief entertaining moment to their time watching the show and you have to recognize that it's not necessarily you the person or whatever that they care about it's it's the avatar it's what i transfer to in their life you know yeah and that that's a very surreal and unusual feeling um but yeah i was i was really thankful for being able to do those things and these days um it's really dependent on who's running and who's comfortable running but lately i've been working with game changer wrestling which i've been with for five years um icw no holds barred which is really starting to come back with a their own personal renaissance putting on these uh wild no holds barred bouts um mlw i haven't worked for since right before the pandemic but i'm sure i will again uh very soon yeah and and yeah just um play i can't leapfrog that's another thing that i'm sure we'll be talking about yeah yeah i I hope so uh yeah for sure i yeah i said to vanessa right before we got on i said uh I'm going to learn with everyone else. I didn't even, I did a lot of research. I was like, but I didn't learn anything about Camp Leapfrog. So I'm going to learn with everyone else. And we'll definitely get to that. One of the coolest things about you is, like you said, you're in production. You're, you're a storyteller. Like the more I, I did a, uh, learned about you, the, the just, the more amazed I got. So uh, you're, a histor- for being 28 years old, you're a historian of wrestling. Like, um, you know, we had the pandemic and you were, you, you've been working on, uh, uh, how do I, how do I want to say it? Like a, a documentary, but audio, like a fireside chat thing, uh, about Luthez, I think. Did you, did that come out the docuseries? Not yet. So, um, so yeah, I, so I definitely consider myself a historian of professional yeah. wrestling and, um, my knowledge, especially of like, I'm more of a big picture person. So, um, there are so many people who could easily trump it, whether, uh, my knowledge of it, whether it's uh, a couple of people I worked with putting the, together this documentary, Jimmy Wheeler of the Professional Wrestling Historical Society, or uh, one of the preeminent historians of professional wrestling, Mike Chapman or Tim Hornbaker. Um, they, their knowledge just uh, dwarfs my own, for sure. But yeah, um, I, so I, I, I do a lot of writing and things like that. I, I work freelance with Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. And I have a, uh, a syndicated, I guess you could say, online series of just whenever something kind of really catches my fancy in wrestling and really piques my interest. Um, I always focus on anthropologic, anthropological and historical things, whether it's Ripley's or in wrestling. And um, one of my, my first big hits was uh, doing a story on the Luchador serial killer, who yeah, um, Mexico's that. most prolific documented uh, serial killer. Uh, I did a story on her. Um, she moonlighted as a luchador at night, and I was able to put together a really awesome story for the gorillaposition.com. Yeah. And that caught Ripley's attention. I was able to put one uh, together for them as well. Um, anything that's just kind of weird like that. And one of the things that recently caught my eye was 
uh, in Luthes's book, he tells this horror story of his, his own trainer, George Tragos, uh, back in the 30s, that he was asked to take a fall to a young up-and-coming talent, and uh, he didn't want to do so. He was like a legitimate hooker, as they called back yeah. then, which someone who legitimately could wrestle and sink their hooks into you and hurt you if they wanted. And the promoter, not realizing who Tragos was, said, you know what, fine, my kid knows how to wrestle, so why don't you two just go out there and we'll see what happens. And according to the story, Tragos hooked a double wrist, uh, double wrist lock and tore the kid's shoulder out. And these are the days before antibiotics were invented. Yeah. So he got gangrene in the shoulder and had to amputate the whole arm. And I was immediately taken and just captured by the story because it's so emblematic of the, the horror stories of yesteryear of uh, wrestlers protecting their livelihood by purporting that reality that we were talking about before and taking it to the point that they, you know ruining this kid's life and i was like wow how much of this is a tall tale from professional wrestling and how much of this is reality and every historian i spoke to initially was like there's no way you can figure that out you know it's just lost the time yeah and thankfully uh jimmy wheeler of the professional wrestling historical society is just as much of a nut for this kind of thing as i am so we uh he dug through the archives and helped me put together the story and while i was doing it i was like thinking about how great of a lens this is to examine what gatekeeping it is to professional wrestling what it was what it should be and i was able to get three uh people with really diverse uh viewpoints on it uh gerald briscoe long time right hand Mm -hmm. man of vince mcmahon and wwf trained hundreds of people scouted hundreds Mm -hmm. responsible for signing brock lesnar and so many others um dr tom pritchard another preeminent uh, trainer he was the uh, patriarch of the WWE developmental system starting back in the mid to late 90s when he trained um, The Rock and Kurt Angle and all of the McMahons preparing them, uh, Mark Henry for the squared circle. And then I spoke to Lou Fisto, who has a more contemporary story of coming up as a woman in the industry, in a male-dominated industry, uh, being one of the first women to get involved in intergender death matches and things like that at a time where that just was... Okay. unthought of yeah, yeah you, you would see it periodically on like the japanese indies or a couple of u.s indies but rufus really was the one who took it to the uh as far as the mainstream as far as mainstream as uh, as an independent culture can get back in the days when inter- the internet was so sparse compared to now mm-hmm. um and yeah it, it i've been putting that together for the last few months we're right at the finishing point it would have actually came out yeah. in august only uh, this whole camp leapfrog thing came up and sort of fell right into my lap uh, so that we paused that, decided strike while the iron is hot, getting all of that out of the way. Then I think tomorrow we're wrapping up uh, post-production on it finally. Um, wh- one question, and then we'll, hop, then we'll hop over to LeapFrog. Look at that transition. Um, we talked about, you know, you'd been in Impact. I saw you in MLW. Uh, you've been mm-hmm. in some bigger promotions. You, you, you do the CZW and GCW and all that. Uh, I, I know that Sanjay Dutt was very crucial to you getting your first start at impact um and sanjay is now in the wwe has there been any do you have dreams thoughts goals to go there has there been any talks any inquiries before this to to be in the wwe um so to be honest i'm not a person who usually makes goals um and i'm I'm not saying people Mm -hmm. shouldn't it's just for me i kind of i have you know certain ideas of things i'd like to do and I don't 
think about working toward them necessarily or take steps directly to lead me there. It's like, I, I just know that it's, it's, there are certain things that will just come to be in my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily a person who um, obsesses over a certain number, certain number, certain letters or anything like that. I like to just kind of do whatever's right for me, whatever's next. So I'm absolutely open to doing something with WWE down the line. Um, it, it's not make or break for my career though, or my life. Um, it, I'm, I'm perfectly content being involved with the Indies um, getting more involved with journalism yeah. or, you know, getting with an AEW or yeah. WWE someday. That's, that's all cool. Yeah. I just kind of, I focus what I'm doing. Um, and just, I, I don't want to say work hard in silence or anything like that because it sounds so terribly cliched, <laughs> but that's just kind of what I do. I just, I don't have that long-term plan. I just work and opportunities arise and I do what I can to capitalize upon them. Yeah. I, I just envision like, I envision, uh, you and AEW in in a segment with Jericho would just be would be solid gold. Uh, I'm surprised they couldn't that get would, you a Jericho Orange Cassidy match. That would be a lot of fun. I've I've worked with Orange Cassidy yeah. a ton across yeah, the Indies. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, one. I think possibly the greatest professional wrestler uh, going today. Yeah, and, you had said that. Yeah. And he, and you know what? If if a lot of people it might not be their cup of tea, but if they don't recognize his talent, then it's just not right. Wrestling is an art form that they have uh, much to learn about. If you don't see the clear talent of him uh, for sure. Well, that was something I, that you brought up uh, in these interviews that I, I researched on is like in every genre of wrestling that we're going through, it was always making that next step. Like wrestling when it fir- first was literally real rep, like, you know, shoot wrestling almost, and then goes to the theatric aspect, uh, and it just keeps growing. And, and like you said, it was on the Orange Cassidy talk. And, and one thing, uh, you know, he's like, uh, what you guys refer to the Deadpool of wrestling? Um, yeah, and it's just yeah because he he breaks the fourth wall, which yeah. uh, you can't have every character breaking the fourth right. wall because then it would just become very tired and. But if you have a handful who do it and make it special, that's awesome. And I think Orange Cassidy is the premier performer in the world doing that right now. Yeah, I think it was Colin West of Synergy Pro Wrestling said uh, Orange Cassidy is the greatest athletic – how did he phrase it? The greatest athletic wrestler that you don't expect or something of that nature. Yeah, his uh, his work like jumps up, jumps at you by surprise by yeah. design. The way he yeah, it's the way puts he, together yeah. his matches. It's genius. It really is. And Colin, Colin's a great guy too. I haven't seen him in a minute, but he's an incredibly talented, yeah. uh, good dude. Yeah, he's cool. All right, Camp Leapfrog. Um, I I I I saw on Twitter. I saw your beautiful face on the. Oh look! I even I even let me see if I can do this. Boom! Right there. So. You guys can see it. It's Camp Leapfrog. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and uh, how you're involved? Sure. So in May, a professional wrestling company was going to have their first event. They were called High Tension Wrestling. And then when COVID happened, they had to be postponed and they were running out in Pennsylvania. And I was booked on their show. And uh, earlier in the summer, they hit me up and they had an idea that they wanted to – they had this beautiful backyard area out in Pennsylvania and they had the idea to run a 4th of July barbecue there and 
have it be a wrestling event. And they asked if I was interested in producing it. And right away, the, you know, the gears start turning of how we can do this and what, what we can do to make it special. And um, if you work, this was in early June uh, when this happened, when they first brought up and um, towards the middle of it, the speaking out movement happened, yeah. which um, it, it put a pause on a lot of things yeah. happening in pro wrestling at the time. So we could kind of, all of us uh, sort things out and take accountability for what needed to be um, undertook, you know? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened in during that was Chikara fell. Yeah. And without getting into the, into that whole yeah. ordeal, I'll just say that a lot of young and up and coming talent who had a lot of promise suddenly found themselves without a home. And if you're a more veteran performer who's been doing this a while and you know, a company going out of business, that's kind of nothing new. It happens. Um, even if it's one that's really special, even if it's one you take a lot of pride in being involved with, but for them, a lot of them just didn't know where to go. So um, my first thought was finding a way that I could kind of bring everyone together who is left without a home to say, Hey, um, Chikara, you know, I was just watching Thor Ragnarok the other day. And yeah. one of the, uh, sentiments was that Asgard isn't a place, it's people. Um, and it's wherever we kind of stick our flag in the ground and call home. And, um, the spirit of Chikara is the same way. And even if it's not Chikara by name, even if it's, disassociated with a lot of the people who were problematic just the core people who believed in that ideal that wrestling is for everyone it's it should be inclusive and we can tell our own brand of long-term uh varied story narratives uh we all still have a place together and leap that was my first goal with leapfrog was let me take this opportunity to bring us all together back together and just have a place to talk and be okay and at, in the very early stages, uh, so I'm doing a watch through right now uh, with my girlfriend of a Nickelodeon cartoon from 20 years ago called As Told by Ginger, which is, is incredible, by the way. And um, we got to an episode that was a it was called Season of Caprice. It was a multi-part episode about uh, camping. And it it was just such a fun, nostalgic ride of of just everything you see in those 80s and 90s uh, comedies of yeah of just it's so heartwarming and it was so like such a good feeling to experience in the middle of the pandemic in the middle of the speaking out movement uh, just being able to step away from everything and enjoy it yeah. and i was you know uh, the the idea of it being a fourth of july special came and went because we because of taking that time to sort things out and recover uh and i thought what could we do with outside and it, it just clicked we could do a camp theme mm -hmm. show and we start talking about what if there was a wrestling themed summer camp and um, Anthony Green, uh, one of my best friends, yeah. he was originally scheduled to appear on Leapfrog. Yeah. He was on a, unfortunately unable to make it, but he was the one who came up with the name uh, Camp Leapfrog. And once, once you have a rallying point like that, um, it gets everyone excited. And we all started putting things together and it turned from a themed event to a kind of a cinematic wrestling experience. And uh, I went into it as an experiment because yeah. I really didn't know what it was going to, how it was going to come out. Um, and 
revealing it now, there's a couple of things I, I would go back and change if I could have. Not nothing major or things I know for future, but I'm really thrilled with how it all came together. And I'm beyond excited for to, to see how the world reacts to it uh, tomorrow night when it debuts uh, 10 p.m. Yep. on IWTV, which uh, so IWTV, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like the WWE Network, but it's yep. for independent wrestling. And it's incredible. Not only does it have a catalog that goes back to like the 80s. Uh, and as Japanese stuff, Canadian, Mexican, American, um, they're still filming content and they go live with GCW or ICW No Holds Barred or Beyond Wrestling and plenty of awesome things. And uh, it costs 10, $10 a month, but with Leapfrog, they were nice enough to allow anyone who wants to watch Leapfrog, uh, they just sign up for an account with code name Leapfrog and they get five days free, which you know, whether you want to stick around yeah. or not, it, 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 Leapfrog is available for everyone regardless with no, and I'm not saying this to like as an advertisement. I'm just, I think that was legitimately a really cool thing of them to do that they were able to support us and help us get this distributed. They believed in this vision and they've made it so that literally anyone could watch it at free of charge. I'm, I'm really psyched about that to know that there, there's, there's no paywall. If you want to see Leapfrog, if you want to be part of that fun, that end of summer, end of summer nostalgia. You can you can be a part of it. Uh, I was sold on the Nickelodeon uh, camp <laughs> relation. I'm shocked I didn't know that show. Um, but IWTV is great. Moxley, John Moxley from AEW, just uh, plugged it today on Busted Open Radio. He he said uh, occasionally he has IWTV on. He catches one of his old matches, and Renee's like, "Oh my God, John!" <laughs> so. Um, who who are we going to see on this uh, camp tomorrow night? So I don't want to give uh, yeah, too too yeah, much yeah. away because I think yep. I think a big part of the uh, intrigue of Camp Leapfrog is what exactly it is and right. what it will look like and what it will be. Um, it's 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 different and it's weird. Um, I so I'm only just really now starting to talk about it, but I've been putting together my first book and it's an encyclopedia of pro wrestling movies, wow. and I've been watching everything from silent films to weird 30s and 40s and 50s stuff to uh, foreign uh, made films uh, to Lucha Libre with Santo and Mil Mascaras. And I've gotten so many weird and eclectic takes and I'm trying to take the best from all of them or the most fun things from all of them and work with a really all-star cast. Um, people like Boomer Hatfield, people like Molly McCoy, uh, Matt Mikowski, Travis Huckabee, uh, Deshaun Pratt, uh, formerly known yeah. as Amasis from the Assyrian Portal. Um, Sam Laterna is the host, and she uh, is the interviewer for WrestleT, her own brand of interviews. Uh, you know, I, I could name, could keep on going on and on naming people. Uh, there's so many incredible talent who I feel are so underrated. Cheeseburger from Ring of Honor. Oh, um, just violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Killian McMurphy. There's uh, just a host of awesome awesome people and i think everyone there that i spoke to which is everyone <laughs> had a good time and i think that watching it back it really translates onto it because so often you can be an independent performer and you you go to a place and you don't agree with the vision or the pay is not good or you don't feel respected and you just kind of are there because whether it's for money or because it's just Oh, I just I take bookings on the weekends. That's what I do, even if I don't want to. Uh, that wasn't the case here. Right. It was a family getting together and having a barbecue and doing so in a socially distanced, safe and responsible way. 
And while we were doing all of that, we just happened to film a few wrestling matches and a few scenes and kind of put together this weird wrestling event movie. It's gonna be great. It sounds like a sounds like it could be a a, like a show, like a like a Netflix show or a IWTV show, like a Nickelodeon. What was that camp show? Camp Camp on Camp on Awana. Yeah, salute your shorts. Yeah, yeah. That was a big inspiration yeah. for this. I mean, we have a we have a scene that, like a sing along just like in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we we have a lot of fun. There's there's a tug of war with a Texas bull rope because it's pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So why wouldn't it be done yeah, with that? Exactly. Um, we uh, I heard there's a rumor that there might be a battle royal that can uh, only be won by throwing all of your opponents into a pool. Yeah, um, makes sense. It's camp. It, it, we have a yeah. We have an Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, Falls Out Anywhere match. Oh, I'm sold. It's, it's it's a lot of just lean back, relax, and just enjoy the show. That's what it's all about. We just want people to have fun. Yeah, and I this think... already sounds better than talking shopomania. <laughs> but the premise is the premise is the same. They want to be have a. Uh, make people smile and have fun. And especially uh, in the times we're in right now, I think, especially in wrestling in the pandemic, I think that's great. I think it's awesome. Uh, Thank you. And you know, you said earlier, it could be a show and I mean, it could be, yeah. uh, we're, we, we have ideas for a follow-up. We're waiting to see how the reaction is on uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I hope that people are going to enjoy it. I don't know though. Um, it, it's weird. It has buzz, and that's something that you can't buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had I've had people from AAA in Mexico messaging me about Leapfrog, telling me they've heard about it and want to know what's going on. And it's like, wow, it's it's traveled yeah. that far already, just from a group of people just putting together something fun in a backyard in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago, uh, a one day shoot, and that's humbling and mind blowing. And I I don't know if people view it as they're being hype. Maybe I'm just in a bubble because it feels like a lot of people are talking about it around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hope that whatever people's expectations are, they live up to it and exceed them. Excellent. You mentioned something back there. Uh, uh, you're working on a book about wrestling movies. Can you give me one wrestling movie that maybe nobody knows about that they should probably go watch? Oh, dude, I could give you so many. Um, well, we keep them for the book. I just asked for one. Uh, just for one? Okay. Um, I So I watched a really fun um, Macabre Legends of the Colony, uh, which was a uh, Mil Mascaros and Taniblas, uh, Lucha Libre film made in the early 70s. And it's... It's wild. All of these Lucha Libre films are so insane. It's like kind of like uh, our version. It's their version of uh, superhero movies, I guess. Okay. Yeah, makes um, sense. Yeah. T- Tiny Blair. It's on YouTube with uh, translate with um, subtitles. Uh, subtitles, yeah. if you need it, because most of them are in Spanish. Um, so Tiny Blair goes to a, a gallery and tries to buy a painting, and the clerk there is like no you shouldn't buy this it's haunted and Tenny Blas who by the way all of these luchadors are so impeccably dressed and they always go around wearing their masks and sometimes <laughs> their cape and, and their like ma- they always have like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah they like they have these designer duds on that match <laughs> the uh the outfit like the mask it's incredible um he's like he's like no that's ridiculous this is going to be haunted like when clearly you, the, the clerk did not need to tell the man that this painting was haunted if you or I just saw this on the street we would instantly recognize it as a haunted painting and he's like, oh, it's fine. And they, they go and they do a show, uh, him and Mil Mascaras, and they have like a get together with some of the fans afterwards at their apartment. And the, the clock chimes midnight and it transports them back to the, uh, 
to uh, colonial Spain or when uh, Spain was colonizing Mexico, yeah. uh, like conquistadors and stuff. And there's a there's a witch and she's trying to have like a human sacrifice. It, it, it's wild. Uh, that would definitely be one I'd suggest checking out. Nice. Get that on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, we're, we're near, nearing the end of the show. What I normally like to do, first of all, I, I'm now knocked off another ref off my bucket list. I, I put out there a while ago, I got a bunch of refs I want to talk to because I think they're underrated in the business. Uh, I think they're the third, you know, if it's one-on-one, they're the third character in the scene. We, we've had you, we've had ref Ryan T. Uh, I, I, I did a thing with Jimmy Corderas with another show one night. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, he had the same thing. He said that's how he got started. He just he was like taking pictures and you know doing whatever they needed, putting up the ring, but taking down the ring. And then like one night, uh, I think he said like somebody said, "Oh, give the kid a chance." And someone goes, "Well, he's a kid." And Pat Patterson goes, "Yeah, well, he's here every night anyway." So and they threw him in the ring, and then you know the rest is history. But uh, there there are a ton of refs I would love to have on. Um, and you, you, you were on that list, and now we've knocked you off. But anyways, enough, enough uh, Barry Horowitz in your back. Uh, what I'd like to do on the end of every show is give the mic to you. You can put over anything you want. You can, you can plug LeapFrog again. You can plug anything you want. You can d- say anything. I promise Vanessa can vouch for me. I will not interrupt. <laughs> uh I just wanted to say thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk about the things I've been able to do and the opportunities I've had and the weird things that I'm putting together and trying to put out there into the world. Uh, You can find me on social media at ref Chris Levin. And like you said earlier, that's Chris with a K because my parents are difficult (laughs) and I'm, I'm a person who always have, has a lot of different projects going on. Um, So you can keep up with me on there to see what weirdness I'm putting out. Uh, the next thing that's going to be Camp Leapfrog, which we've talked about at length, yeah. uh, that's going to be tomorrow night at 10 p.m. on IWTV, and that's 10 p.m. Eastern time, so following AEW, and you can use promo code LEAPFROG to watch that for free, and you have five days, so check out IWTV and see if it's for you. Um, I feel like if you're a fan of wrestling, it, it definitely is, and uh, in the coming weeks, we'll have the uh, Tales from the Mat debut uh, podcast episode of uh, maimed the the ripper and the shooter which will be coming out which is a wild tale that we were talking about before of 30s pro wrestling and gatekeeping and bullying and all of that stuff and i I guess until next time just be well to each other support wrestling support this podcast awesome excellent uh it's been a pleasure to have you on and uh you're welcome on any other time anytime at all any you need to plug something come on we'll put it over man don't worry about it Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, have I'll your, definitely be back. Have yourself a wonderful night. And uh, tomorrow on IWTV, 10 p. Eastern, right after AEW, Camp Leapfrog. So I look forward to it. Have a great night. Thank you. You as well. Take yep. care. Later. Oh, that was great, Vanessa. Uh, this guy is called The Standing Streamer. <laughs>